0: Listening to the Go and Tell Gals podcast, and I'm your host, Jess Conklin. In most of our episodes, we'll have a guest, a woman who is running on mission right where she's at. We pray this podcast leaves you encouraged and spurred on to go and tell the good news. Hey friends, it's Jess here. I pray you are able to stay safe and mentally well in this incredibly different and crazy season that our country and our world is currently experiencing. We are doing our best to get you guys podcast episodes every week so you can listen and grow and be encouraged right where you're at. This week's episode is with my friend Latasha Morrison. She is an incredible author. She is a leader. She wrote the book, Be the Bridge. She's also the founder of Be the Bridge, which is an incredible racial unity group on Facebook that is now over 25,000 members. She's insightful. She's wise. She's gracious. She's loving. And I pray that you are encouraged and a Equipped well by this interview with her. Hey Tasha, thank you so much for joining us on the Go and Tell Gals podcast today. Bye. We're we're really grateful for you. I know this is a crazy busy season. The last few years have been really busy, yeah. Yeah, it's
1: kind of incredible. And I think we kind of connected in the beginning of a lot of things. I think I was still on full-time staff in Austin, right?
0: You were. um, Yes. We met maybe now like three or four years ago at an event and you were still on full-time staff. So maybe take us, tell everybody, take us from the past few years, what's been going on, what God's been doing in your life and through your work.
1: Yeah, I think the last time you guys met me, I was on uh, full-time staff and I was living in Austin. Since then, it was getting to the point where, you know, when we talk about self-care and when we talk Mm -hmm. about taking care of ourselves and like Be The Bridge was just growing. And it was like I always say, you know, for people, it was my accidental nonprofit because in having this conversation, I had no idea it would lead to the things that it led to. Mm -hmm. You know, this is the season for this, you know, for such a time as now, you know, Um, and so you can sense that, you can feel that. I think people, my friends, my pastors, my mentors could all sense that. And I had to make a decision if I was gonna continue in full-time ministry, which that was something that I thought I would be doing for a very long time. And I was at a church in Austin that I was really loving and thriving. I had great leaders. I was empowered. I was able to use my voice. I was able to be myself fully. So that was incredible. So it wasn't like I was looking to lead that place I still miss them but I was enjoying that particular space but I had an incredible leader where we just sat down and was like I can't keep running like this you know because we were a church plant of another church plant so we were like a satellite location yeah and so the work and all of that just imagined I mean you're in this so you know what that's like yeah yeah <laughs> um, you know and so that was a lot and then I was getting a lot of um, speaking requests but I was having to turn a lot of stuff down. So I was kind of like minimizing be the bridge to this point where it was stifling it because I didn't have infrastructure. I wasn't full-time and I didn't have any full-time staff. So we would be, the bridge was going very wide, but not very deep. And so people thought, you know, that we were this major organization that had been having this conversation for, you know, several years. And it's like, no, I was new. I was a local church girl that was just really living out this work. You know, yeah. living out the gospel, the gospel message. I had to make a decision in 2017 and I had to step out on faith because it wasn't like we were bringing in enough money to put me on salary. But either I was having like not sleeping, um, mm. I mean, just having like a lot of like. Felt like the beginning stages of health issues because of the stress, and so I made a decision. I, and I and one thing that I've learned over the years in this work and just in this space and just in my faith walk is to know when God is speaking. Yeah. <laughs> you know, sometimes we try to override it or overlook it. You know, but I've made mistakes before, and in that time when I knew God was speaking to me, but I was afraid. Yeah, I was fearful. And this time I just I knew I had to trust God. I had to take a leap of faith when you didn't know if there was a net, if you didn't know you were going to just fall to the ground and everybody was going to think you were crazy. So I told my pastor, I said, hey, I feel like and you know, he knew, too. He had been praying and I said, you know, I feel like I'm going to have to make a decision decision. He said, I said, because I can't do both and one is going to have to go. And he said, and this is what he told me. He said, well, I know it's not going to be, be the bridge. Mm. <laughs> And, you know, and that was just reaffirming, which I knew that we can sense what God was doing, the work that God was doing through his people, you know, people's ears being attuned to this. And there was just a grace for it. So I made a decision to leave my job without a salary, without health insurance. Right. right? And upon making that, um, I gave a date. But this is this thing, Jess, is when. When you do the right thing, you know what I'm saying? Like, when you step out on that faith and knowing, like, I don't know where this is going to land, I do know one thing. This, These are the two things that I said. I'm not going to be homeless. And I'm not going to go home hungry. <laughs> no, no. And this is the thing. I was like, I got enough friends that I'm not going to yep. be
0: homeless. <laughs> Somebody's going to give you a box of mac and cheese. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: And, and that's a privilege sure. in itself because there's a lot of people don't have that safety. Net, sure. You know what I'm sure. saying? Where I knew that I had some place to go. I knew that I was going to be fed. So those two things, you know, I had to trust God because I knew this work difficult and hard, but I knew it was God's calling on my life, and I didn't want to miss it because this 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 is a full circle moment for me, you
0: know? Ooh, okay. There's a couple things I want to capture there because <laughs> you're, you're saying such important things and, and somebody could right now blink. And let's say, I, I pray that some of our listeners are not, are not just meeting you, but some of them may just be meeting you for the first time. And there's a moment where right now in 2020, they could blink and open their eyes and see Latasha Morrison. She has a book. She has this incredible nationwide worldwide ministry. She, um, Um, leads this Facebook group with almost 20,000 people learning and repenting and growing. And you can go into so many cities in America and see Be the Bridge groups meeting in coffee shops. And she has led all this and she has been brave. And God is using her in incredible ways for reconciliation and peace in the church and in culture. But it was terrifying. And not just from a like stepping out into this, this very tension driven conversation to lead it. But just from a personal yeah. standpoint, like, yeah, am I going to be okay?
1: <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And then the other thing is that, and just to be honest, like not so much as what other people are going to think, because I knew like people in church, my friends, people around me, I knew that they were going to understand, but it was my family. It's like, wait a minute, yeah. you even benefits and a yeah. salary? Yeah. Okay, you're in Austin. Like, are you going to stay in Austin? Like, all those questions. But one of the things my dad surprised me and my mom, my dad saw things happening, but they didn't quite understand. They're like, okay, why is this girl talking about this? Because, you know, in the African-American community, especially my family, my family is very comfortable having this conversation now. Mm -hmm. Uh, We have it in different ways, but it was something that you didn't talk a lot about. Mm -hmm. You know, my dad didn't tell me a lot of his stories but now everybody got stories for me. <laughs> yeah. Um, so that was one of the things. I'm my dad's only child. I, you know, I'm a daddy's girl. So it's this thing that I carry of disappointing my dad or something like that. Mm. Um, but just that affirmation um, with him, like, you know what? I look at the way you blend led your life. I trust your decisions. And so you do what you feel like you've been called to do. And that was really empowering to me because Ultimately, that's the thing that God does for us. You know what I'm saying? And so it's like, it's like, that was just reassuring. And so people can look at, okay, this is all the things that are happening. But one of the things, and I'm not trying to sound cliche. I'm not trying to sound super spiritual, but this work is the Lord's work. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? I have to keep this with open hands, open arms, a surrendered heart, because I know like, the work is going to be accomplished, whether I'm saying, yeah, somebody else says yes. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And so my thing is, I was just like, Lord, this is your work. And at some point if you just want me to go work at target, <laughs> 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 I'll do that too, <laughs> because this is hard, you know? Yeah. And I didn't know like, I'm like, okay, how, how, how we're going to pay all these bills and stuff like that. But I think, that's the the attitude i try to keep in saying yes is that these are your people Hmm. this is your ministry and this is your work. Yeah. When I keep that heart posture and position, it keeps you humble. Yeah. It also helps when things hit the fan yeah. or when people reject or people resist, it's like, you're not resisting me. Right. You know, you're resisting the God in me. You mm-hmm. know, um, you're resisting the work of God, you know, because I do know without a shadow of a doubt that this is the work of God. And I do know that this is the gospel message. So I'm not going to get caught up in all these conversations, theological conversations, because I know that the work I'm doing is from God himself. And so that's how um, I live my life. And it's incredible because this work is so hopeful. I know a lot of people don't get to see a lot of the hope. Mm. We hear a lot of the challenges, but this is the thing. Hope is built from challenge. You know what I'm saying? It's like in the midst of the chaos and in the midst of the sin, you know, Mm -hmm. in order for us to keep doing this work, we We have to be hopeful. I get an opportunity to go across the country and do some hard and difficult, uncomfortable things and have some tough conversations with people, make people very uncomfortable, Mm -hmm. um, make people mad sometimes and maybe angry sometimes, but I do it because I love people. I try to make sure that I'm giving grace and I'm speaking out of love, but just understanding we have to be able to understand this work, no matter how the package comes, you know, and how the, the words come sometimes, sometimes they're really hard to swallow. I was just in East Texas and just had some incredible conversations with some women and I'm like, God, you are at work in East Texas. Like, look at you. Wow. I mean, It's like convicting hearts, tapping on people's shoulders, what people would deem like sometimes places that are hopeless, that God always has his people. And in doing this work, I realized that it's not going to be the majority of people that's going to listen, that's Mm going to do, that's going to change, that's going to transform. God always has a remnant always yeah. oh, any movement, any change. I mean, revival has always been through a remnant of people. And so when I go into these rooms, I'm saying, are you a part of the remnant? Mm. Or are you going to be on the sidelines? Are you going to be on Ooh. the sidelines? Are you going to be wishing and hoping that you did? Right. Are you going to be repenting? Are you going to be like some of your ancestors that wish they would have stood up and said something? Or wish they would have marched? Or wish they wouldn't have been silent if yeah. they had a do-over? This is your do-over to make Ooh. it right. Yeah. So are you going to be a part of the remnant? Or are you going to be a part of of the majorities that's going to sit on the sidelines because we're going to keep moving this conversation forward generation
0: after generation after generation. And so that's, that's how I do this. So good. Okay. I want to go back to the hard parts in a minute. I want to go back to the tension and the good work. <laughs> I want to, I want to, I, you just said so many impactful things right in the beginning. So other things I want to catch is. When you were stepping out, when you were stepping out of like what felt like comfort job-wise, a great situation to do this thing God had asked you to do, there were people who said, you absolutely have to do this. And there were people who said, why are you doing this? I think that's really important for a lot of women to hear because we base so much of our obedience on the approval of others. And it right. takes some intense listening to the Spirit to know Like which which people do we really need to hear from, you know, and which people are, should we anticipate, like they might not understand this and that's okay. And I'm, and I'm going to have grace for them even in it. I'm not going to feel frustrated and, and feel like, oh, you didn't support me. I'm going to say like, well, I get it. I understand that you didn't understand this immediately. And so I just love that you said that. And then the other thing that you said in the midst of it, that there was grace for it. And I see that all over your work. I want to just segue into yeah. Where's the grace right now? Because this work of racial reconciliation, of of talking to a lot of people who may be ready for the conversation or may think they're ready for the conversation or who are <laughs> outright not ready for the conversation, uh-huh. is putting yourself in continual harm's way in the middle of the tension to do God's work, to be the prophet, to say, like, come with us. Mm-hmm. Trust me, you're going to want to have been here. Where is yeah. the grace for you in it? In what ways... Does he meet you, you know, that feels safe, that you feel willing to share with us? Because that's what I pray for you when I read your book or when I'm on the Facebook group or when I see you on Instagram, getting off the stage, I'm like, Lord, where are you meeting her right now? Like who's, who's buying yeah. her coffee tonight yeah. or what kind of special blanket does she has or what, what, what verse are you coming for her with? Because yeah. I can't imagine yeah. the tension you yeah. have, you have to walk off the stage with.
1: I get fueled, like one of the things when I read Nehemiah or reading Ezra, just Esther, like just all, a lot of the greats, you know, seeing that how people, during their time, they had to stand when others were being silenced or when they were misunderstood Yeah, and doing the right thing when the wrong things are, are the most popular things, Mm -hmm. you know what I'm saying? And so I think for me, where I see God just kind of reassuring me is that God has placed a wealth of people around me to lift me up people that i can confide in people that i can be myself with like if i'm having a moment where i don't feel so graceful or i don't feel like loving or i don't feel like i say some curse words Mm -hmm. or if i'm not feeling like building the bridge. I want to tear it down and become a troll. You know what I'm saying? Like I have people around me that understand and don't judge me in those moments, you know? Mm -hmm. And I think for me, just being able to sometimes kind of turn it Mm -hmm. off, that's where I feel like God is meeting me. Like in the people that he's surrounded me with, sometimes when I'm thinking like, okay, it's one thing to go in and talk and speak, but then it's another thing to run an entire organization. That's overwhelming well meeting budget, you know, all those logistics that come behind this. And we have to realize, look, be the bridge. I mean, reconciliation, it doesn't make people feel good. So mm-hmm. people want to feel like heroes and they want to give to something where they feel like the hero. I don't want to give to something where I feel like I'm getting pounded or slapped in the face or made to feel bad Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know and it's not to say that's what everyone feels but people haven't made that connection of being a part of a grassroots movement so that work is difficult and then we have this Facebook grant and the responsibility with that you know when you get grant funds and all those things so sometimes it can be really overwhelming but within this last year through the grant I was able to bring on two full time people operations person and a programs person. And so realize this programs person came on in August and this operation person came on, it'd be a year in April. But before that, I was doing all of that work. Hmm. So now I feel like we're making some movement. So I think even with that, just the doors that God has opened up and trusted us with um, has been reassuring. And and just that that track record um, has built my faith. Like, Lord, OK, I'm not going to worry about this next thing, or we're coming to the end of this grant, or I'm going to trust you. I'm going to do my due diligence and I'm going to trust you to make up the rest because again, this is your work. So I'm reassured in the, the faithfulness of God. I'm reassured in the promises of God, you know, and then I'm also reassured, like when I'm saying that this work is not mine, that when it's time to pass the torch or when it's time to pass the mantle, that my identity is not built in this. You know, regardless of be the bridge or not, I'm a leader, regardless of be the bridge or not. I'm a change agent, regardless of be the bridge or not. I'm a bridge builder. That's who I am. That's Tasha. Right. You know what I'm saying? Right. That's that's the thread. That's the heartbeat that God has given me. And I just am blessed to utilize that in this platform. But without it, I'm still these things. That's how I'm wired. So, yeah, so that's that's, you know, that's one way I feel like I think you're asking me, like, how am I refueled and refreshed? Yeah. And the things that folded me, I would say being reminded of those that came before me through scripture and receiving life from those things and like receiving life from the things that um, Ezra had to say that wasn't welcome. And yeah. the leadership that Nehemiah represented, being able to see myself and identify through scripture, friendships, and then also of um, self-care, you know, yeah. yesterday, my, you know, we had a, busy week last week in the last couple of weeks. And so yesterday was a day for me to kind of turn it off. I went to see my mom and my brother and um, went to Target. Target mm-hmm. is always a good place, you know, in the <laughs> midst of the coronavirus, you know, just wiping everything <laughs> down, but I'm gonna go to Target, you know? Yes. And so, so, you know, so those are just some ways that I kind of refresh myself.
0: I love that. Okay, something I want to capture and that is, I think it's a good word for all of us, what you said about friends and friends letting you, like letting you be off, letting you say maybe the truest things that aren't the yeah. like, quote unquote, right things to say, but that are real. And I think as, as much as all of us want to find refreshment in our ministry, we also want to be refreshing to other people. And if I'm honest, that's a hard one for me. Like letting people be really discouraged or really mad or say, you know, really wild things... Has it's taken some growing for me to not react? Whether it's like my husband, who's a pastor, wanting to quit and and letting him tell me that, and and me like not be like, what are you talking about? Why would you say that? Yeah. <laughs> you know, or my friends who work in in very tense different venues, but especially women working with racial reconciliation and anti racism, letting them say like this was this was hard, and I am mad, and I am frustrated, and letting them say that, and letting that be okay and and saying like yeah yeah it was it is I'm sorry and that's it you know that's so important so I think just as much as all of us want to know like what's the safe space for me where can I where can I be put back together it's it's even harder to say like how can I be someone who lets other people be put back together and a big part of that is just listening and letting them say hard things so I love that yeah yeah I want to talk about the Facebook group, and I want to talk about the Facebook grant as much as you want to, because I got exposed to your work and, and your incredible gifts and ministry through an event, but very quickly joined the Be the Bridge Facebook group that started in 2017. And I cannot suggest it enough. I cannot suggest it enough. It is such a generous and helpful space that you've just set up really, really, really well. and, And your moderators do an incredible job and your admin team does an incredible job. But will you talk a little bit about how that got started and what's happening there?
1: Yeah, it actually started in 2015. And because I was in an organization and I didn't know how this conversation was going to take off. I really did not. I had no idea. I was just doing the next right thing, having the next right conversation that I felt like God was leading me to have. And so I didn't realize that it would have this type of impact. You know Mm -hmm. what I'm saying? I didn't. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's like, you don't sign up for this, you know? Uh And so I started in 2015 because I didn't have a website, nothing. And then what type of product could you use where you can gather people, have a conversation, post stuff and, you know, all of that. So I started the Facebook group so that way we can point people after that 2015 conference to this Facebook group. I started it with 69 people. And so now it's about 25,000. And so as we've grown, our rules and our process have had to grow. Also, Facebook has grown with yeah. us because when we first started, there were a lot of key components that they didn't have that we used to have to like create. And I spent a lot of hours in this group You know, monitoring so it didn't blow up and then I had friends to come alongside me to kind of help with infrastructure and help with making sure that this is a healthy conversation thinking Mm -hmm. about new rules that we can put into place so that it can be a brave space and we know it's not a safe space because what's safe for you is not safe for me and what's safe for me may not be safe for you so what we wanted to do was create this brave space where people were willing to listen and we wanted to lift up the voices of the marginal as much as we can the stories. and When we think about bridge building and we think about moving toward reconciliation, that work requires for those who have been in the spotlight, those who have taken up a lot of space, those who have used their voices the, the most, to take a step back. And to push those voices that have been unheard, not voiceless, but unheard to the front of the conversation. And so that's why we wanted to implement the, the three months of silence. Mm-hmm. And so while people are working on their three months of silence, the other thing that we would notice is that when new people will come into the group, it's kind of like the conversation starting all over. Um, it's kind of like that thing in church where, you know, you have people that are being discipled and you have people that are growing but then um, you you always got to have something for people who are on different levels in their growth, in their spiritual journey. But then you have people that come in and they're brand new. And so you got to have something to help disciple them. And so Three Months of Solid, what we added when Facebook created the units, they Mm -hmm. have this thing called units now, and we put a lot of resources in that. So as you're on your Three month of Solid, you're able to educate yourself. You're able to listen. And so that way, when you come into the conversation, You're not coming in in a harmful, unhealthy way. Mm -hmm. You're at least coming in in a way that's not going to do damage to people who have been in the conversation for a while or people who are just sick and tired. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? And so understanding that we have Different types of people, and I do know, like it is a brave thing for people of color to be in our "Be the Bridge" group. Yeah. You know, right now during this season, people want to isolate. Like, and there's people who are living different experiences. Their church experience is not like the church experience that maybe I had at my last church. Their work experience, you know, is is difficult. Their community experience is difficult, and so they're not going to go online to sign up for difficult conversation. But then at the end of the day. They want to be a part of the solution. They want to make this a better world for the next generation. So they bite their lip and they take it and they show up in the midst of their pain and in the midst of their trauma. That's why we feel like this on-ramping is good for people because it gives them the language, a foundation of learning so that they can move on and do some of the 301, 401 work. But we want people to to show up and work and read. You know, Um, if you're not willing to read, if you're not willing to listen in this, you d- really don't want to see true racial healing and reconciliation. Like, you have to be willing to give up your time and some capacity in order to do this work. Not just sit at the table and feel like you're just going to ask people to explain everything to you. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. That's draining, it's exhausting, and it's oppressive. You yeah. know? And so no one should be doing that to anyone and no one should feel obligated to do that. Um, I've signed up for a different path on this journey, you know, mm-hmm. so a lot of my journey and doing trainings and doing speaking engagements, I have to do a lot of that tilling of the soil. Mm-hmm. But my action items after that is that you need to listen, you need learn, you need to lament, you need to leverage. And that is how we show love. Yeah. You know? So those are some of the things that, you know, we do would be the bridge. And so that's been an incredible space. Every let me tell you, just if you had some of the people who have been around like admins, they'll say, I remember when you wanted to shut it down at fifteen hundred people mm-hmm. and, and you know, and I was like, because I was like, it's getting too big and we would have things that happen in the news and it would just get so many people mm-hmm. and it was just I just you know, I didn't want it to become a dumpster fire. I didn't want, you know, I've seen that happen. So it takes a lot of work. So if you're in there, you know, give a high five to the moderators, to the yeah. admins, because they are, they are volunteers. These are volunteers, mm. you know, yeah. and they do an incredible job in doing that because they see the value of this work and they want to be a part of it. And so they're just doing, you know, their part. And it's not just a little part because, I mean, this is the stepping stone. This yeah. is like... You know, for people to get into real life groups, this is the stepping stone that people are coming in for the first time, hearing different perspectives and, and 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 understanding different experiences. So this is a a major part of our work. It's not the heartbeat. Um, I feel like the heartbeat are the Be the Bridge groups, mm-hmm. but this is a major
0: Yeah, I love it. So good. Okay, join that Facebook group, y'all. Follow the rules. Go through the units. <laughs> Absolutely. It's worth it. I I would say block an hour, block two hours, block three hours a week to just go and read and read the posts and read all the comments and listen. But there's another great thing that you can read. My favorite thing about when God is is teaching us something, when he's growing us in something is to get it from multiple different medias. And so Uh absolutely, that's why I'm so grateful that your book, Be the Bridge, came out because it's a long form version of this, of your heart, of your specific words. And Be the Bridge, the book, came out in October. How's that experience been for you, putting the book out? I mean,
1: <laughs> it's been incredible. The book thing, I mean, you, you've you done this a lot. So the book thing is, like, you have these really high expectations <laughs> and sometimes. And sometimes your little dreams get deflated, you know? <laughs> but I love it. Um, the book thing has been in- an incredible journey. You know what I said just at the end of this? I said, you know, regardless of how this goes, I feel like. I wrote what God would have me to write. Yeah. And these words are here. They will live beyond me. And then some friends, you know, especially Jenny, One, she told me, she said, look, you know, this is a tool. This is a resource. This is something that will be in the hands of churches and people for a long time. So I wanted to create something that gives people language, that gives them a foundation to understanding this work of reconciliation, especially because I hold to that word and where a lot of people who do what I do, you know, they're like, look, we're going to call it racial righteousness. We're going to say there's never been any reconciliation, so we're going to call it racial ciliation. I mean, I've, I've heard some just like some different things. And not to say any of those things are wrong. I feel like they're very valid and I understand. But because I'm a person of faith, I feel the ministry that God has given me is that God has given us the ministry of reconciliation. Mm -hmm. So I'm trying to make right to help reorder the things that God intended. So I'm seeing those things that are not as though they were. So I'm seeing something beyond what we have right now. So I'm convicted about that and using that word would be the bridge, but I totally respect people who choose not to use that, mm-hmm. that word because of it has been abused. We like to focus on forgiveness. And then reconciliation, that's oppressive because you're putting the ownership of the oppression on the oppressed. Right. You know what I'm saying? Right. And I talk about that in the book and what this looks like, because we have to have confession. I mean, it's like our faith is like, you know, you're not <laughs> I mean, when we think about the work of repentance, you know, a part of our salvation is that of confession. A yeah. part of our salvation is that of repentance, which leads us to be restored to God. You know yes. what I'm saying? Like, yeah. we, try to, we try to act brand new and get out major. Like, we don't know the process when it comes to this. When it becomes comes to our racial reconciliation work and our and our relationships and, and the restoration of that, and so confession. And repentance and restoration are a major part of reconciliation. And mm-hmm. so because I feel like we explained that well, we explained that in our process and our discussion guide, we explained that well in our book. That's why I use the word. So I don't I don't recommend people using the word unless they're gonna make sure that the pathway to that word reconciliation is truly explained the, the heart work of that because a lot of people People, you think about movements before us. They used the word reconciliation, but when it came to the making it right part, when it came to the restoration mm. part, uh, when it came to the repentance part, people bailed yeah. because it's hard. And it requires humility and it requires you giving up something and losing something, you know, for all of us, you know. And so I think um, that's the time when people try to step to the side.
0: (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. That's so good. I've never heard that so clearly defined except for by you. And that's really helpful. Like I've heard, here's why we don't use that phrase, but that when repentance is a part of it. And, and the foremost part for white women, when repentance is where it begins and listening, that's really helpful. So good. And, and right. Acts three nineteen and 20 says like, if you want to be refreshed, <laughs> you need to repent. If you want to experience yes. the fullness of refreshment repentance yes. is where it's at and so that's and why I, it's not it doesn't feel good this does not feel good work it does lead to yeah. refreshment and that's why we do it in in all areas of our faith but specifically yeah let's keep doing it in this one too be The Bridge, the book is a hot win. You need the physical copy, but you probably need to go ahead and get that audiobook too and just listen to it and have the physical copy. I have both and I'm very blessed to have both. Absolutely. Find the Be The Bridge Facebook group. Find a Be The Bridge group in your city. They're all over every state at this point, right?
1: Or start one, get with someone, yeah. with someone for a while. To start one because a lot of times people are looking uh, because they want to learn more. But I tell people, hey, if you're if you don't have a person of color to start with, we do have. If you're a, a white person, we do have material that are specific towards white people. And then this summer, we're rolling out material that are specific to people of color. You know, we just had like just launched a transracial going to be launching youth stuff this month march the 16th we're launching our btb youth stuff and that was some of the grant money that we got through facebook we are launching um uh, btb youth and then also rebranding btb university because these conversations in order to push this through to the next generation and so that um our future continues to look bright. Mm -hmm. Um, We have to make sure that we're teaching our children uh, because they are being cued by society, whether you're talking about it or not, Mm -hmm. they are being cued. They are developing um, biases and prejudices, whether you're teaching them or not, whether they, they see you or not, because we live in a racialized society. We have media, they have other influences. And so they are being cued. So just as much as you're having, having this conversation with yourself and you're learning and growing. You don't have to be perfect in this work. You don't have to have all Mm -hmm. the words, but teaching your children, showing them that there's beauty in God's diversity and that everyone is to be treated and created equally and understanding their role in this to speak up. You know, we teach our kids about, you know, when they see bullying, you know, to speak up, to not be silent. So the same thing when you hear someone being um, not nice or not kind, you know, to speak up, but they have to understand what's nice, what's not nice and what's not kind when it comes to racist remarks or mm-hmm. microaggressions or uh, jokes that are not funny or, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So all those things, make sure you're pouring into your children and making sure they have diverse resources that they're looking at, that they're put in spaces where they're not the only one and like where they're the only one and see how they respond, Yeah, see how they react. Yeah. And then you'll just See how society is cueing them when, you know, they're a little uncomfortable going, being on the basketball team and they're the only white person. Mm -hmm. Um, Our kids have to do that all the time. Mm -hmm. Our kids have to be in those type of spaces all the time. So why is it okay for our kids to be in that space and somebody else's child not to be in that space? You know what I'm saying? Think about that because that's going to build them. That's going to shape them. That's going to give them a deeper understanding about the other. That's going to put them in proximity. Mm -hmm. So that's what I would encourage you to do. Um, with your kids don't feel like you have to be perfect with it just start thank
0: you so much that's so good Tasha we're so grateful for you you are doing incredible things for culture and for Christianity and for the kingdom and we are really thankful for your wisdom and your generosity and all that you're bringing to the table thank you so much
1: I appreciate it. Thanks for your time. And thanks for having me on the go and tell girls. So, you know, you guys are mission driven women. So I'm, I I resonate with that. And I'm sure you resonate with the words that were said today. Oh, yes. So oh, excited. yes.
0: You better believe it. <laughs>